Welcome, everyone, to episode 25. We're a quarter of the way to 125 of the Dream Team Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jake Schultz, and join with me once again on this wonderful technological world we live in, Zolfi Shake. What's up? What's up? And Daniel Ramos. Hello. Good to have you back, Dan. Two pods in a row. Yeah. It's here. good. It's good. How you been? How you been? Very good. Very good. Thank you. I'm Very feeling, good. feeling good. Feeling great. Any overnight shifts recently? Yeah, I just had a back-to-back this week. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> and then two weeks from now, I got, three, I got three overnight shifts. And then the next day, I have an 8 a.m. morning shift in person. Um, so that's going to be horrible. But how are you still functioning? Oh, I'm not functioning. I'm just, I'm just going, man. I'm just, I'm here. That's it. But well, you know we're what? Happy to have you. I made this little like, like really uncomfortable bed on my office floor, out of like blankets because. Okay, maybe I shouldn't be saying this because then I might get fired. But I like to rest <laughs> just overnight, so I take like I take like a ten minute like power nap and then I get back to the news. But I realized that if I do that in my actual bed, I won't wake up. So I had to make like an in-between. So I made like a little blanket bed that's like comfy, but also super uncomfortable, like will hurt my back so that I, I make sure to wake up. And it, it's been working well. I haven't missed any news and I've been, I've been doing my job. So shout out to my blanket bed on my office floor. It's really down bad, but shout out. The radio room at the star. Yeah, if you're going to nap stuff. while you're working, at least nap conscientiously. Look at you. No, because I won't wake up, bro. I'm a deep sleeper. If I go to my bed, my comfy, cozy bed, with the <laughs> best mattress ever, I will not wake up. I guarantee I will not wake up. So I need to I need to be slightly uncomfortable to the point where it's like, oh my god, I guess I gotta get up, bro. So I'm gonna wake up with a bad neck, but you know, so you said it with chess though. I appreciate you just coming on here and just airing out <laughs> Yeah, hopefully you sleep during no your one job. From the start. Well, it's like ten minutes, a ten minute power nap. You know, yeah, it's I, part of your break. It, it is. Sure. You know what? That actually counts as my break, realistically, because I do. I'm like it's an eight hour plus shift. I get I get thirty minutes at least to relax. So I'll take my quick little snooze fest, you know, and uh, get right back to it. What's your eating schedule been like with it? Oh, it's been so bad. <laughs> I just oh, like I, I still just eat like throughout like, the day regularly. Like I eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But then the overnight hits, and I'm just like, oh man, let me just go crush a full bag of chips right now because it's like four in the morning. I'm so hungry. And I'll just like go and get like sour cream and onions and I'll finish most of the bag, I'll be honest. You're and really back into like your grade twelve era. No, legit. I have not pulled all nighters since high school. Cause I'm just at an age now where I'm so tired to do that. Um, but I've been powered through because I've been taking my little nap seats before I go into my overnights. So it's been good. You love to see it. Shout out Dan, man. Shout out shout out my overnights. Let's go. Shout out Dan. Thanks. All right, let's talk about the Raptors. So they finished off their road trip, came back home. We all made our predictions. I said three and zero. Daniel said two and one. Zolfi said one and two, and Spencer said three and zero. No, Spencer said two and he one. He said one. He said uh, two and one. I think he yeah, said two right. and one. He, he, he said two and one. Correct. Two and one officially. The record that they finished off with the first game against Boston. Our second game against Boston did not go well. They did get waxed in that game, blown out. But they had a very nice first win against the Mavericks, arguably their best win of the season. And then had a nice, just casual 23-point comeback on Monday at home against the worst team in the we- the league, the Wizards. 
and the toxic brothers were in full effect that entire game first of all i just before we get on to our special guest because it's not just us talking today we have someone here with us Wes Unsell Jr. not calling anything in the last six minutes of that game against the Wizards while the Raptors were just slowly making their comeback and Kuzma's literally yelling at him to do something and call a coach's challenge and is standing in the middle of the court during a play. Complaining is like peak toxicity. It is insane to see what is happening with the Wizards right now. Hey, I don't know if we're going to blame Wes Unsell for that. That is all Kuzma and cool. Basically, the plays that cost them were those two knuckleheads just complaining. And, like, you saw, like, we obviously know the Kuzma one because he gave up that open layup. But then a couple of plays before, Jordan Poole just shoulder checks Scotty Barnes on a pick and then looks at the ref dumbfounded, like, what did I do? And he's looking at West Unseld, like, challenge, please challenge that. You look at the replay, he basically put, it took all of his force to take down Scotty Barnes because Scotty's a mammoth. And then the fact to look back and complain and be dumbfounded is just the most idiotic thing I've ever seen. Jordan Poole, come on, man. Like, you need to show you care about being a professional to at least 1% of a degree. Because right now, I don't think you do. Yeah, I can't uh, remember if anyone else chose him as their MIP pick. But I chose Jordan Poole as my MIP pick. And uh, <laughs> it's it's not aging well. I will say that much. It has not aged well. It's, it's early in the season, but uh, it's not looking good. It's not looking good. Is there any chance he gets it? I don't think it's... I, I don't think so. I don't, I, I don't think so either. Okay, let's continue to talk about the Raptors, though. But let's bring in our special guest. We have Sean Woodley from the Locked On Raptors podcast. He's been covering the Raptors for over 10 years now. 1,515 episodes. This man is putting out episodes right after the games. You can see how dark out it is and how dedicated he is, and his content is great. You should go and follow him everywhere that you can. Sean, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. You've managed to both make me feel very good about myself and to make me feel extremely old. So thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Just the only thing that we can do, the best over here. Uh, I want to get started here quickly, just asking about the Raptor season in general, because they're five and six. They just came off. Arguably one of their worst losses of the season, but at the same time, they've had multiple games where they've gone down 20 points. So I just kind of want to get your feeling on how you think this team has been doing five and six so far on the season. Yeah, it's a it's a tough team to parse because I think big picture, there's been a lot of really good stuff, right? Like Scotty Barnes looks awesome. And ultimately, that's the thing that matters the most is Scotty Barnes kind of putting himself onto the track to become the type of dude you can build a real, you know, contending team, good team, whatever the nomenclature you want is, he seems like he's on that track. And that is awesome. That is game changing. That makes all the big questions that hang over the team a whole lot easier to answer. I think the weird thing about this season is it feels like every loss has some heft to it because it feels like it adds to, um, you know, all the different ongoing decision-making processes that are going on with Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, lesser extent, Gary Trent Jr. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't feel good when you lose a game like that to the Bucks, for example, where it's like, oh, wow, this team doesn't have any offensive ability whatsoever. They can't score in the half court to save their lives. They somehow made their 30th ranked half court offense worse in this game, uh, in a game where there was no Giannis. And, and that's that's tough to grapple with. You also have to look at the context of that game. There was no OG. There's no Gary Trent Jr. The two best shooters on the team being out in 2023 is going to hurt the way you play offense. And so um, I, I think for me, 
I'm encouraged by Scotty. I'm encouraged by the fact that Scotty, Pascal, and OG together as a three-man trio have like a net rating of plus 11.2 per 100 possessions just when those three are on the floor. The fit of the roster around those guys is weird and bizarre, and I think what we've seen so far is the limitations that you're going to have of a roster with those three main core players and these supplementary pieces they have right now. But to me... If you have like a core three, you can kind of go to war with, which, which the Raptors might. Obviously, you got to determine whether you're going to pay all three of those guys. Do all of them want to be back, et cetera, et cetera. But um, for me, that's kind of the most important thing. So while there have been some down spots, I think the fact that they're a pretty good defense, the fact that they can run and score in transition in a pretty electrifying way, and the fact that Scotty Barnes, along with Pascal and OG next to Scotty Barnes, looks good, that to me makes me feel pretty good about the first 11 games, even with the five and six record. I know that they've got down five of the last six games, but down by 20 points. And a lot of people are putting that down to health, whether that's shooting with OG not being there and Gary with plantar fasciitis, which I would not put on my worst enemy because mm-hmm. my sister had that. And good God, that thing, it doesn't just go away. Like it's there until it's gone. Do you think that that has to do more so with the lack of their presence? Or do you think, like you said, that it's just more so with that half court offense and the fact that they get down so early on that they just can't come back? Yeah, I think they kind of go hand in hand, right? Like the half court offense is bad kind of as a rule, even when those guys are healthy, but when they're not there, it's just like not functional. There's just no space. You see Yaka Pirtle with the ball at the nail and they're just like defenders sticking to guys or blocking passing lanes. And he's just kind of there on an island. Sometimes you can go and bully Chris Tapps, Porzingis and score. Sometimes he's up against Brooke Lopez and he can't go do that because Brooke Lopez is a mountain of a human being. And the offense kind of dies. And, you know, I think they're probably not maximizing what they could be doing. I think there's been a lot of Dennis Schroeder. And as much as I like Dennis Schroeder and what he's done, you know, for everyone last season who was crying and screaming about, oh, Fred Van Vliet's commandeering the offense. He's ruining the team. Dennis Schroeder's just taking Fred Van Vliet's touches and is doing less with them, right? Like, it's it's pretty much the same construct in terms of touches and hierarchy. Scotty a little bit higher up than Pascal now, but, um, you know, the, the issues remain the same. And, yeah, I, I think a lot of it comes down to just roster construction, roster fit. And when you don't have a guy like OG or Gary Trent Jr. available, your offense is going to start off sputtering. And if you don't have the defensive integrity, which, you know, I don't think they should be this dependent on OG to be a good defense, but it's the recipe for falling down big early in games. But we've seen, like, they have the juice to go on runs. They have the juice to play really nasty defense and, you know, kind of turn that into offense. I would like them to do the, do that in first halves, I suppose, as opposed to second halves when it's all in the line. But, um, yeah, it is very – this is a very interconnected team and all of the most important pieces. Like, you take OG and Gary out, it's like taking out the middle and left pieces in a row of Jenga. It's just all going to fall apart. So um, that, it's a challenge you're working with with a roster that's this limited and has this much scarcity when it comes to extremely important skills – and it, yeah, it all just kind of piles up. I don't think this team is going to spend the whole year falling down by 20 with miserable first halves, I guess is kind of how I'd answer your question. But it's certainly not surprising with the the, the guys they're missing right now. Hey, Sean. Uh, so before I ask you uh, my question, I actually wanted to give you a shout out because, and you may not remember this. Uh, so me, Zolfi, Jake, and our other host, Spencer, we all know each other through our sports journalism program at Centennial College. Right. Uh, and about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago now, I actually DM'd you on Twitter and I asked yeah. you for some advice. I don't know if you remember that. 
I remember vividly. Yes. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, we had a nice little Zoom talk, and yeah, uh, you encouraged me to go into the program, and Hell it yeah. ended up being one of the best decisions I've ever made for my career. Um, so I just want to give you a shout out and say thank you. And I, of course, your podcast was a really big deal for me, messaging you as well, right? So, yeah. Wow, well, that makes me uh, also feel old, but uh, <laughs> makes me feel really good. That's awesome. <laughs> well, you you mentioned that you do like the pay it forward attitude, and you know it's good that you know as well that it's working and it's paying off that you're you have that attitude towards new people in this industry. So, oh, that's uh, that's a very cool thing to say. And uh, hey, I'm happy you've uh, you've you've gone down the road you have, man. It's uh, it's awesome. Thank you, I appreciate that. Um, so on to the question. Uh, you know, we're talking about. Uh, like the fits on the team and and how they all kind of work together. Um, you mentioned how good Scotty's been. He's obviously made a really big jump this season. And there's talks of, you know, players that Raptors are linked to already, like Levine. But mm -hmm. maybe less players. Like, what moves do you think need to be made around Scotty to take this Raptors team to the next level? Like, what do you think he needs to elevate his game and this team as a whole? Yeah, this is the tough thing, right? Because I don't think we know the full limit of Scotty Barnes's powers yet. And so we don't know the full answer to this question. I think the next few months are really about gathering that information. I mean, we're seeing now, like, you know, our pal Samson Folk over Raptors Republic wrote a whole thing today. But, oh, Scotty's all of a sudden their best pick and roll ball handler. Uh, and that's not something I would have expected. And that's happening. And so you got to see, hey, is this real? Is this something they can lean further into? Is there actually, like, quote, unquote, a point guard there in Scotty Barnes? I've been pretty skeptical of that just because I think his handle's been a little bit loose and the pull-up shooting's never been there. And I feel like those are pretty requisite skills to be a pick and roll operating point guard but if he's scoring efficiently as a pick and roll ball handler and i think right now he's in like the 74th percentile of the nba which that's pretty solid for a guy who's not done this a ton um you know that changes you know the context of Jakob Pertl. like if he has someone who can actually run pick and roll with and be effective who is not dennis schroeder then that makes Jakob Pertl more viable going forward um you know if they can figure out a way to work in what pascal siakam does really well while scotty barnes also has all these different areas of the floor that don't interfere with that that he can be successful in that makes pascal more of a of a piece that they can maybe sort of talk themselves into pairing with scotty barnes as it stands right now the roster is just not super conducive to a scotty pascal duo being your leading duo but uh my whole thing is like i'd rather keep the really good players and figure out the rest as opposed to kind of getting rid of the good players in the interest of like depth and hoping to fill in a roster around uh you know the, the more ideal fit um but yeah I, I think the next few months really are just information gathering if i feel confident about anything it's that og ananobi is going to fit with scotty barnes beautifully for a very long time uh that dude's incredible we've seen it with the on off splits this season he is just so driving of positive play and fits perfectly next to what scotty does um, i think they're going to pay him whatever it takes and that's good after that, you know, all different avenues are there. Is there, you know, can they find a way to turn Jakob Pertl into like a $10 million center with a little bit more stretch? Um, can you find a way to flip Jakob Pertl for like Nick Vucevic or whatever, just for a little bit more shooting there? Um, can you find a way to, you know, either retain Pascal Siakam or turn Siakam into some young pieces who make more sense sort of fit wise around Scotty? It's a, uh, I wish I had an answer, but I feel like it's still very much early days as far as information gathering goes. And I know there's this sort of refrain of, oh, well, we've seen this team before. It's the same core. It's not because Scotty Barnes is new. This is a new reality for Scotty Barnes, and it changes the context of everything around him if he's going to play like this. And so I, 
Yeah, I, I, I lean towards this is probably heading towards a Pascal trade, even though I don't agree with it necessarily. Um, I would rather keep those two dudes and figure things out from there. Um, but if you're trading Pascal, like you better be getting something meaningful in return. You better be, you know, getting Jonathan Kaminga or Moses, Moses Moody and, and more from the Golden State Warriors. You better be, you know, cashing him in for some serious chips, maybe Keegan Murray or something like that from the Kings. Like, uh, you know, these are all just names I'm tossing out, but uh, I think that's that's the challenge with Pascal too is what like what are you getting for him that actually helps reassemble a roster around Scotty Barnes that makes sense are you getting just kind of like lottery tickets because that doesn't feel very productive why not just retain him and trade him later if you're going to have that sort of uh, low return it's all very much in motion right now um, but I do think the nice thing is there's plenty of optionality here for the Raptors they can do a bunch of different things Scotty Barnes being what Scotty Barnes has been makes all these questions a little bit more dire in nature. Uh, and I think we'll probably start to get our answers revealed over the next few months here. But uh, yeah, there, there, there's a lot to sort out. Like they, they got to figure out what this roster is going to look like around Scotty. And you move one guy, all of a sudden this guy makes more sense. You move this other guy, all of a sudden this makes more sense. Like it, it's kind of a weird sort of puzzle they're working on right now. And not one that I envy them having to figure out. I'm glad, I'm glad you put it that way and all the information you brought at the end there because I kind of look at it as like a lot of this season has been spent, like you said, information gathering. But it's also been, for me at least, I feel like I am I sound pessimistic a lot of the time because I keep mentioning like there's these, this end of the title with this. And mm -hmm. I know you said how, hey, you keep the good players, keep Pascal if you can, and then figure it out from there. But it's, I, I find it really hard. And again, the position of the front office being so difficult is that like, the numbers are going to come into play at some point, especially if you mm -hmm. want to keep Pascal the numbers that he might be available at. And you already paid Jakob. And then OG gets into the mix as well. So then I think I'm just like, I see an end of the tunnel here where they kind of have to figure something out. So I guess my question for you off that is like, one, walk me away from the edge because I don't know <laughs> what to make of all of this. And the two is like, how much like concern do you have around it that this can work out and may end up positively? And obviously decisions have to happen for that to get clear but in the spot we're in now and you know like you have these concerns around the spacing the roster scotty's mm -hmm. development needs to be prioritized somewhere in there like what's the concern level at with all of that and this like end point that that's there waiting for you in a couple months mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's hard i i think the only thing that really concerns me the only thing that i think could turn this whole thing into like an unmitigated disaster is if one of OG or Pascal leaves for nothing in the offseason. And I have to think they're not that stupid, right? Like, yes, they've made some mistakes, right? Like the Yaka Pirtle trade, your mileage may vary. The fit doesn't make sense. If it ends up that they have to trade Pascal Siakam because they got the wrong center at the wrong time, that's bad. That is like really, really bad asset management, really bad decision making overall. I still think like, there's a chance here for the Oc trade to work out just fine, depending on sort of what the answer is with Pascal and what the answer is with the team going forward. Maybe you flip them for someone else. Um, you know, there are teams out there who, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies, for example, they're going to need a long-term Steven Adams replacement. Maybe that becomes, you know, like a Santi Aldama and a guy coming back for Jakob to sort of reassemble. Like I think, like I said, the optionality they have makes me feel not so bad. And I think the belief I have, that they're not just totally out to lunch asleep at the wheel also makes me feel all right. Like I feel very confident about OG sticking around. I, I just, 
I think the Raptors love him. I think he has probably, you know, so far in the games he's played, had the itch scratched of, oh, I need a little bit more responsibility. Like, I feel like he's had that. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be someone who's running a, a bunch of pick and rolls for you and, you know, racking up assists. He's just not the type of player. That's fine. He's awesome in his own role. And I think he'll be worth whatever the money ends up being for him. And so that, I, and, and, you know, I know this is a whole, oh, he goes to free agency. Like the Raptors lose their guys all the time. Not really, right? If they want to keep a guy, history says over the last 10 years, they'll keep that guy. Fred is basically the only guy who they haven't kept, who they wanted to keep over the last 10 years, who walked out the door, right? Like, I I think, you know, you think about Kyle Lowry signed multiple contracts in Toronto, DeMar DeRozan, uh, you know, even guys like Patrick Patterson and stuff like that. Like, they retained these guys. They got them to stick around. And, you know, Fred Van Vliet signed three contracts in Toronto. I, I think they... They're not as like stupid as the sort of, oh, that guys walk for nothing all the time sort of painting of them makes them seem. And I, I just, the Pascal and OG thing, yeah, yeah. If these guys both get to free agency in the summer, there's been no extension for Pascal. OG walks to go to the Spurs or some team that throws a bunch of money at him. Yeah, it's a full-on unmitigated disaster. It's a total mess. You've set back the Scotty Barnes timeline and you can walk over the edge all you want. Uh, but I don't really see how smart front office people would allow it to get to that point. Uh, I think, you know, if it works out in the next couple of months that Pascal looks like an answer with Scotty going forward and they feel like they can pay those three guys and make it work, then they'll extend Pascal and kind of get that question off the board. Leave OG is the big one with the intention of keeping them. Um, you know, it, it, it gets tricky though, right? Like there's lots of different ways it can go wrong. As much as I think they have optionality and ways it can go right. You know, you can get these moves wrong too, right? You can trade Pascal for a package that turns into nothing. You can, um, you know, try to trade Yach for someone, but not be able to do it and get stuck with him not spacing and just kind of being there in sort of a role where he's not being properly used. It's uh, there's a lot of moving parts here, I guess is the answer. I understand the concern. And I, I think I really understand the sort of fear of the unknown, right? I think that's the big thing is we don't know what's going to happen. We've typically had such a good handle on what this front office is doing over the course of the last 10 years or so. And so it feels weird to be in these troubled waters where, you know, is my life raft like leaking? Like what's going on here? Uh, I get it. I also just, they can't be this daft. <laughs> and if they are, then it's a problem. But I, once they show me that, that's when I'll kind of react and say, wow, these guys are idiots. Get rid of them. I still think there's runway here, even with mistakes in their recent history, for them to figure out whatever this is. And again, like I said, having Scotty Barnes makes all of these decisions easier and less dire because end of the day, you're still going to have Scotty Barnes and that's a pretty good place to be. I don't know yeah, if I helped you at all. There. Yeah, you, you walked me back a couple steps at least. I'm not. I'm not all right, perfect. I'm glad anymore. to hear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wanted to pose, like, kind of going off of that. Like, you did a great job of summarizing your like positives and minuses from the roster and the construction you have going on. And you also mentioned how the the triangle of Scotty, OG, and Pascal is a plus. I, I looked into the numbers of the 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 Scotty, uh, Pascal, and Jakob like triangle, and obviously we know not the spacing good. issues. Not good. Not good. It's not good. <laughs> It's like the uh, Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> yes, everything positive on offense disappears in there. That is absolutely true. But I dove into a bit further where, like, obviously we know the combo of Scotty and Pascal works well. But for me, it's interesting that Pascal and Yak together doesn't work so well. But then mm. Scotty and Yak together, it's still pretty positive. On It's only been about 20 minutes of game time, but it has been positive out there. And I kind of pose that to you because 
with this with the way that roster is going and obviously Yaka being signed versus Pascal probably not is that mm-hmm. something enough for you to be able to feel comfortable with at least banking with that if Pascal walks there is viability there or is just like this construction with Jakob and what he offers just isn't something that is going to work long term and you should probably look other way other ways yeah. at, at least yeah I mean I think Yak is always going to have his troubles as like a fit just because he doesn't shoot he's got the free throw stuff and all that um, I do think though, if there's no Pascal on this team and it's just Scotty and Yak in the front court, you got OG, you got hopefully some other shooting on the floor. Um, you know, Yak becomes more viable, right? Like the, the I feel like there's been this sort of like, ah, oh, Yaka Pirtle's terrible thing this year. But it's like, is he or did they uh trade for him pair him with a point a pick and roll pull-up shooting point guard? have really great success, pay him commensurately with his value based off of that success, and then saddle him with a point guard who is like a 16% pull-up three-point shooter, who doesn't finish at the rim, who, yes, is quick and gets downhill, but, like, is not Fred Van Vliet. I'm sorry. Like, I know people hated Fred Van Vliet by the end. It's one of the weirder things I've ever encountered in my entire professional career is, like, the weird Fred Van Vliet discourse. Uh, But he's a better player than Dennis Schroeder and a better fit than Dennis Schroeder with this roster. There's just no doubt about it. And so every bit of Yach's struggles this season, I feel like you have to kind of bake in well, they've kind of put these struggles upon him because the roster doesn't make a lot of sense. If the roster coming out of this whole morass and they get into the next year and they have the roster kind of ready to go to you know hit the ground running with Scotty as their lead guy, if the roster has more shooting and Yak is still there, then great. I think that can work. Um, if they end up with Pascal, Scotty, OG is the three they determine are the like the the must keeps, then I think Yak's got to go just because you're never going to have it be super tenable and the twenty million dollar price tag, while not crazy i think a totally movable and fine and market value contract it will make building a team around those three guys a lot harder just because of the second apron and all that stuff so um there's a world in which yaka purple makes sense on this team you know we've talked about scotty barnes kind of tapping into his pick and roll operation that's a way to get more out of, of yaka purple um but yeah i think they've not put him in a very good position they put him in a spot where he's gonna look bad right he's gonna be in a spot where a lot of these push shots he's putting up are going to be done in really close quarters, all sorts of arms and dudes around him. And yet, yes, he was bad last night for a little bit, I guess mostly like the first half. Um, but if you look at the numbers, like Dr. Pertle shooting like 80% from inside three feet this season. Like he's still doing just fine at the stuff he does. There's just not as much space for him to do it. And I think that's kind of bleeding into everything. I don't mean to keep on bringing this back to Dennis Schroeder, but I just really think that they need to kind of reimagine how they use him within this team more than anything else. Because I feel like that to me, when I watch the half court offense, that's where things fall apart. Most of the time is, Oh, Dennis is dribbling again. Great. Let's see what this produces. Oh, a sort of weird flat floater. Great. Good offense. Move on, move along. Like it's just, it's tough. They've put him in a, they put Yaka in a tough spot. And again, it's not even Dennis Schroeder's fault. They put him on a team. Where there's no shooting around him where his entire career suggests he's good when he has shooting and really bad when he doesn't. And yet they've put this roster together where all these guys are kind of in these weird contexts to not really succeed outside of Scotty and OG who can kind of succeed with any context, I suppose. I want to shift quickly to Zach Levine because obviously it's all in the trade rumors everywhere. Zach Levine is available now and he's more willing to leave. And the Raptors is a name that's been thrown out there a lot more. Granted, the Raptors are thrown out there with every single superstar that is available. <laughs> so where do you think that he would fit on this team? Like I know he has he brings that instant shooting, which is good. He's not very good defensively, but knowing with the two 
free agents that are next year in Siakam and OG. Pairing that with something that's on the books, where would that move ultimately bring the Raptors? Yeah, I'm not much of a Zach Levine guy, honestly. I, I If you could assemble a core four of Zach Levine, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, hell yeah. I think that would be a perfect compliment to uh, what those three core guys don't do super well in what, you know, Zach Levine can create his own shot. He's an incredible three point shooter. One of the more weirdly efficient players you'll ever see. It's kind of nuts. The, the efficiency numbers he's put up over the last few years, he would also be insulated defensively by playing next to those three guys, you know, Scotty Barnes, this force of help defense at the rim. OG, this incredible on-ball guy who can take the big assignments. Pascal, also a pretty incredible on-ball guy, as it turns out. Uh, he's been awesome in that department this year. They would be able to kind of shelter Zach Levine, I think, defensively and have his strengths really amplify what the other three guys kind of lack in terms of skill set. I just don't see any way that the money works, right? Like, you would have to... I mean, the deal to get Levine in Toronto, like, now... Pretty simple. You can throw a couple picks. They're not going to be great. You know, they probably protect them slightly. Like there's not going to be a hot market for Zach Levine. I don't think. Um, and, and maybe the Bulls wait. You know, I, you know, I was listening to the Low Post yesterday, and you know, Kevin Pelton, Zach Low, kind of kicking around. Maybe this rides into the summer because the market's going to be so dull. Um, the real value for the Bulls here feels just like getting off of Zach Levine's money and starting fresh and going forward. And so if you can put together like. Gary Trent Jr., Chris Boucher, Thad Young, that's the money right there, easy, and a couple picks, perfect. And then you have to look at the cap sheet and say, oh, God, how do we sort this out? It probably requires moving on from Jakob Pertl and you know, almost salary dumping him or trying to find some sort of deal where you can save some money there. It probably involves looking for a team for Dennis Schroeder who makes 13 million bucks a year, right? Like it's, it gets really difficult. Uh, Blake Murphy, I think kind of did the numbers. Uh, you know, if they were to go into next season, get Zach Levine, they'd have about 77 million bucks under the first apron of the luxury tax to keep OG, keep Pascal, which could be pretty dicey with just 77 mil, considering what OG is going to command and what Pascal figures to command. Maybe you get them both for around 35 to 40. Who's to say? Maybe you get them on matching deals like they're the Morris brothers. Wouldn't that be great? Um, but I, I think the challenge is just filling out a roster around those guys. You can probably withstand you know, a little bit less depth if you have those dudes, you got Christian Coloco, you got Grady Dick, like, you know, there's kind of up, up and I mean, if Christian Coloco is ever available, we'll see. Um, but like, it's just, it's really tricky. It's really hard with the new, you know, tax implications that are coming in next year. Um, do it for one year, let it ride. I don't know. Like you could kind of, you know, if you get Zach Levine, again, I think he fits well with Scotty Barnes and Hey, Maybe this is something that happens around the deadline where they look at things with Pascal and maybe they both want to go their separate ways and say, hey, this doesn't work. I don't love the idea of Levine, OG, Barnes as like your main three. I, I think that still leaves you a little bit light defensively, but, um, you know, that's, uh, I guess, potentially an option. I, I just, with the, the number that Levine commands over the number of years that are left on his deal, so much risk baked into it that despite, I think, being quite literally a perfect fit with the Raptors' best three players, I don't quite see it happening just because of the, all of the, the ramifications and financial stuff you got to sort out. It's just really, really tough to, to sift through. I want to shift to what I think is probably my most enjoyed narrative from the Raptors, aside from Scotty Barnes's third year takeoff. And that's Malachi Flynn, because we've talked at length about him on our podcast before even Zolfi said before he even started going better that like the experiments done. And then yeah. now all of a sudden you see 
that his confidence is slowly getting built up a little bit more. He's shooting very well from three point. His defense is very, very good. And that all comes back to Darko because this is what fans were bought onto when he was hired as the head coach of the Raptors. So what do you think of this Malachi Flynn experiment and how would you grade Darko's tenure in his first month of action with Malachi and just as a coach in general? Yeah, Flynn, I've never really been super keen on, honestly. I I know there was this sort of notion that, oh, Nick Nurse didn't play his guys, didn't give him a chance. Like, he played, like, I don't know, 140 games over his first three seasons and was bad in, like, 120 of them. Like, he was not good when he got a chance to play. And I, I never begrudged Nick Nurse for not wanting to see more Malachi Flynn. He just wasn't an NBA-level physical player like he he wasn't hitting shots he wasn't playing on a team that was going to be conducive to the pick and roll game that he came out of college with and frankly like you don't build your team around the 29th pick who isn't good and is your 14th man like you just don't and so I was never upset about the way Malachi Flynn was I guess treated or deployed or whatever that said coming around and asking like what the hell did Nick Nurse do to this guy it was like broke his spirit and it seems like now he's just everybody's special boy and Darko loves him he's getting hugs on the sideline from Garrett Temple it's hilarious I still don't know if it goes beyond this year for Flynn honestly like I still find myself constantly yearning for an upgraded backup point guard and you know the game against the Bucks goes 0 of 8 from deep I'm glad he took eight threes got to hit some eventually like it's just it's so incumbent upon a guy like that to hit threes that's basically what he's out there for shot making for him has always been his biggest issue and you know for the first three seasons of his career his uh true shooting percentage was like sub precious achua levels in his rookie season like it just really really nasty and even now he was at a 56 percent true shooting this year it brings his career true shooting up to 48.8 percent it's not good he's never really been a, a guy who i feel like has the juice He's got more juice this year for sure. He's bulked up. He looks like he's a bit, a bit more of a you know a rugged defender. Had that really nice game against Kyrie Irving. He's had some nice performances. And if this keeps up, you know I'm not going to judge the guy entirely on the loss to the Bucks, where he goes eight zero of eight, of course. But if he can keep up what he's done for the first part of this season, maybe he works himself into like a small next contract with the Raptors. But I still feel like they'll be begging for an upgrade and upgrades will be available at some point. And so I, I kind of think it's a nice story. He's been useful. He's been helpful. I shudder to think what happens if Dennis Schroeder misses extended time and Malachi Flynn has to play a whole bunch. Um, and so I'm still kind of on the, you know, not really believing Malachi Flynn train, but you know, stranger things have happened and development is a very long process. Right. And it seems like they're getting through to him. Maybe he layers more stuff in over the course of this season to make the Raptors want to go and offer him a next contract. But I do think that's uh it's probably not looking great for Malachi Flynn long-term Raptor, despite some better results this year than what he's had over the last couple of seasons. Sean, you've done a great job of really contextualizing the Raptors for us. But obviously, you're just a hoop head. You watch basketball. <laughs> so we also want to, I feel like, I don't know how many people get to ask you questions that aren't just Raptors. I just wanted yes. to kind of hear from you about the NBA. I'll just give you a platform. If there's a team you want to <laughs> talk about, show love to. A team you may want to show hate to that you're not a fan of or even a <laughs> player. Maybe Draymond's in there now after he went berserk the other day against the Frenchman. Uh, so, yeah, take it away. Is there any NBA thing that you feel like you want to get out and talk about? I'd be very curious to know. Sure. Um, number one, uh, you know what? Who hasn't wanted to put 
Rudy Gobert in a chokehold at some point. Give Draymond a break. Uh, he's Rudy Gobert. He asks, is it Joe Rogan listening weirdo? I don't know. He, he seems like kind of annoying. Maybe he deserved it. Maybe yeah, you, maybe you should put, put dudes into sleeper holds. I don't know. But um, yeah, that, that was wild. That was I was watching that like with my wife. My wife was just like transfixed at like how insane that whole situation was. Crazy stuff. Um, as far as like the league, I mean, I'm wearing a Denver Nuggets hoodie. I love watching the Denver Nuggets. I think Nikola Jokic is the best thing that's happened to like watching basketball in the last like 20 years. He's unbelievable. That's not exciting, though. Everyone knows Jokic rules. The Wolves are everyone's like sexy, fun team. They're really fun. I've like always been a Carl Anthony Towns believer. And I don't even know if that belief is being like paid off. It's just mostly Anthony Edwards and really good defense kind of keeping them going. But uh, I will root for Carl Anthony Towns to figure it out until he is uh, long retired from the NBA. Certainly, I do want to say in season tournament, two big thumbs up. It's great. Fun courts. They look like some of the gyms I play pickup basketball on, and I think that rocks. Uh, they, I, I think the format of it is a little weird, no doubt. It, it, like this is not, I think, sort of the way I have it always envisioned it. I wrote a blog post back on a now scrubbed from the internet, like WordPress site I had when I first got out of school, and it was all about like one of the first things I wrote was the NBA needs an in-season tournament right now, and. I, I I'm very glad that it exists in some form. It's not how I would have drawn it up. I think I, I pitched like 30 teams plus like two European squads or whatever, getting thrown into the mix. I, I think I pitched like, instead of the all-star game, that's just the tournament final weekend. And you don't do the all-star game. You name the all-star teams, but don't make people play this charade of a game unless Kyle Lowry is involved, in which case you play it. Cause Kyle Lowry makes the all-star game. Cool. Um, so yeah, I, I think you know they'll they'll fine tune it, but I'm glad to see that people seem to be caring about it. Is it driving people insane and put it, you know forcing them to chokehold people? Yes, but that's good. Like people should care, people should feel impassioned by this stuff, and I think it has a chance to be a thing that we care about. Right? I, I know the whole thing is why would I care about this? Well, here's the thing: in the NBA, it's basically impossible to screw up two basketball teams playing hard against one another. It's like a perfect product. I called it like a golden Oreo on, a, on an episode of my podcast this week because it's unimpeachable. NBA players trying hard against one another rocks. And any way you can encourage players to play harder, whether it's for the financial gain of, you know, getting money for the back-end bench guys or for the just the pure joy of winning a basketball game, which is why we all play basketball to begin with. All these guys are wired. They're insanely competitive. They're going to try. I, I think it's a good thing to sort of create these little things. And then over time, it will become a thing that we all associate with, you know, being a cool thing and being a thing that we want to win and like good memories of being a fan. Half of being a fan, most of being a fan is trying to accrue fun memories to talk about 10 years from now when you think about your team. And I think this gives you a chance of actually accruing some of those memories at a time when you'd otherwise be watching random November basketball games. I, I think it's a great thing. Um, again, a little sort of, imperfect in terms of the way it's been rolled out my sort of grand vision of it is it is the vehicle by which you shorten the regular season from 82 games down to like 70 then you sprinkle in tournament games and the money you make from the tournament being this marquee thing 
offsets what you lose in taking away those what six home dates per team. Um, that's kind of my grand vision. I'm not the commissioner, you know, maybe they'll, they'll, they'll let they bring me to consult someday, but, uh, I do think it's a good start and I'm glad to see the players seem to care about it. And I think those Vegas games are going to be absolutely awesome. And like a really fun way to spend a weekend in December where we'd otherwise just be like sad. Cause it's cold and dark all the time. So, uh, very pro in season tournament. That is my, uh, my grandest NBA take right now. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Sean could not agree more. Uh, like, I love the in-season tournament. I think it's a wonderful idea, especially because I'm a big soccer fan in Europe and they have the FA yeah. Cup and stuff like that. And I, those are amazing. Uh, but speaking of that, final question. Yeah. Uh, Raptors are making their debut tomorrow against the Celtics in the mm-hmm. in-season tournament. What are your predictions? I think they're going to get waxed by the Celtics, but everyone gets waxed by the Celtics. Uh, I, I'm i already doing tournament math, though, like looking at the table, being like, oh, how many wins do they need? What's the point differential they'll need? Uh, the Magic, who are in the Raptors group, are already like a minus 20 point differential. Uh, and then the other teams are the Nets and the Bulls. So I'm going to like heartily declare they lose to the Celtics, win out the rest of their schedule and get it in as one of the wild cards. Um, because I don't think their group is especially tough outside of Boston. Um, maybe that's crazy. Uh, maybe this is me getting too excited about seeing the Raptors play in this quarterfinal and, uh, you know, potentially go to Vegas in the weekend on that weekend in December. But I think, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a real shot. They can kind of go on a bit of a run here. They're not a bad team, right? They're a weird team. They're basically a 500 team. They're capable of some pretty cool things. And they're especially capable of cool things when they try very hard. And going back to the original point, there will be more reason to try very hard with this in-season tournament going on. So I think uh, we see the Raptors at least flirt with that wild card spot. You know, you can't control for other point differentials, but uh, I I think they got a shot. I'm very, very excited, even though I am expecting an awful loss to Boston. I just hope they don't have their point differential ruined too much. This is a thing we get to care about now. The fake comeback Kings, they're going to save themselves by coming back late and keeping their point differential attacked for the tournament. We love to see it. Yeah, I I I was one of those big haters of the in-season tournament when it first got debuted. Like the exact same person that you just called out. That's me. That was me. And I've done a complete 180. Like Hell it's yeah. it's been so good for the league and it's it's cool to be actually competitive November games like you said. And tomorrow, we got a fresh new court for Toronto. We get fresh new jerseys. Well, they might be fresh. They do got to get fresh. rid of the jerseys. The jerseys look they like do. uh my pee after I've played too much basketball <laughs> and not drank enough water. It's awful. The court's black, though, so at least yes. you can see it. It's not bad yes. there. So we'll see the It'll Raptors pop, in. Yeah. We will see the Raptors in action there. And Sean Woodley, thank you for joining us. If you guys want, all of his links are in the description below and on Twitter. Go follow him. He is definitely worth it. Follow his podcast. And uh, hopefully we can get you back on the pod another time. It was great chatting with you. Anytime, fellas. All right. Thank you to Sean for joining us once again. Just incredible insight. I feel like we just get so much knowledge on this podcast from our guests and like an esteemed row of guests for this nothing podcast it's uh it's quite great honestly so thank you sean for coming hopefully we can get him on in the pod a little bit later but why don't we move the left raptors talk let's move to the rest of the nba and let's give our winners and losers like we do every single week and daniel i'm gonna start with you let's start on a positive note give me your winner for week three uh my winner are the timberwolves because of the loser associated with it which is jamon green you just combined the two together, didn't you? Well, they have to. They ha- I have to because it's with the context is that Draymond chokes out their teammate. And granted, as Sean mentioned, no one really likes Rudy Gobert. 
Uh, I think Patrick Beverly even just said that. No one actually likes the guy in the league, apparently. Um, allegedly, I don't know anyone personally that knows him personally, so I can't really speak on that other than what NBA players say. But uh, it seems that he's not very well liked by his peers. And uh, I'm sure they've all dreamt about choking him out at least once. But uh, Draymond still a, you know, was a cheap shot. He came out from like you if you actually watched it, like he just jumps. Like it, it's actually crazy the speed and like length he jumps to go after Gobert and just wraps his arm around his neck and it's like it was way too much. Um I'm honestly surprised it was only five games. I thought it'd be like eight or ten or something, just especially because of his history, which the NBA also said that they gave five games because of his history. I'm thinking that if you're looking at his history, it should be minimum ten games, but I, I, I'm just me. I don't know what I'm talking about, I guess. Um, it was just, yeah, it, it was really a, like, just like, just typical Draymond. And it's like, just stop, man. You're a grown man. At what, what point are you going to stop being so immature on the court and doing that? And then that led to my winners, the Timberwolves, who ended up beating them. Okay, I saw all the Warriors friends. Yeah, they beat a G League team because all they're all out. I don't care. Okay, they choked out their teammate, and then they ended up beating them. That's a great feeling. So winners, Timberwolves, losers, Draymond, and that's that's it. Thoughts, questions, concerns? Do you disagree with me? Do you think Draymond was right? Do you think Rudy... uh, <laughs> was Draymond right? Yeah, he definitely <laughs> wasn't right. I understand okay. wanting to defend your teammate, but dragging seven foot Rudy Gobert six plus feet while doing it because, like, the initial act aggressive. But you're like, okay, guys get heated, it goes crazy, it happens. But then it got to like a very uncomfortable point where like obviously this you didn't think this was gonna happen, but there must have been a part of everyone's brain that was like, is Draymond actually trying to like knock Rudy Gobert out like in a sleeper hold? Because like everyone was like, Okay, it's done now, Draymond, you can let go. And he just wasn't letting go. It was the it was the weirdest thing ever. Like, Draymond, like, come on, man, after a point, like it's over. Get it get past it. But he was just so like I guess they incensed are in his mind about it. And I don't know why. So I thought that was odd. But in terms of suspension, I think five games was right. Uh, should yeah. it probably be more? Yes. But I believe for the, the Sabonis stomp, literally last season, he got three games. So kind of adds up. And also the fact that this happened two minutes into the game, which is also hilarious. No one scored a basket yet, so to be this mad. Uh, but so that funny, technically man. getting ejected counts as a game. It, it isn't, but it is almost because you missed that entire game. Granted, as Rudy Gobert said, he might have wanted to not play in that game without Steph there. Uh, but I think five is fine. It's the right number. And the, well, the main point is, is like, no matter what number you tack on to Draymond, it's not going to deter who he is. Next time he gets annoyed or mad, he's still going to do it. So it's just one of those things. And it's ironic how this situation completely makes you blow past. A couple days ago, he got ejected against the Cavs for being a knucklehead in that game and getting really mad for no reason. And you totally forget about that because he turns into freaking the karate kid uh, a couple of days later against uh, Rudy Gobert. So, yeah, those are my thoughts. Five is enough. It's not going to stop Draymond. What the hell? <laughs> Draymond's just a weirdo. We know this by now. Like, I, I don't think there's any other word that epitomizes him more than just a weirdo. And he would do things for content. And what would I put it past this to think that he just did this as content? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, he did only get one game suspension for Sabonis as well. So oh, it was not it? three. Okay. It was just one, which I also think is insane. Five, you, you when you look at it and you think, oh, that's not really that much. But uh, on surface level, like when you unpeel it a little bit more, 
it is the most that Adam Silver has ever given out, like in his era, for an on-court issue. So not really? counting off-court. Yes, it is officially the a longest. Different problem in and of itself, though. <laughs> Zolfi's mic died during <laughs> the middle of that, but yeah, <laughs> it, it it is officially the longest. So it makes sense when you think of it like that. That he's like, okay, look, I'm going to give you five games. But yeah, the whole situation was really, really strange. I do. I don't like shutting out Rudy Gobert because I passed on him multiple times in our draft, but his comeback for why it happened and him saying, oh, he just doesn't like playing without Steph is so funny. It's pretty and good. It's, pretty it's a pretty good comeback. I appreciate him for that. As for the Timberwolves in general, like they've just been really solid. And that Raptors win against them opening night looks better and better as it goes on. I know they lost last night at the time of this recording. But they're still like one of the best defensive teams in the league. Anthony Edwards, like we all expected, has taken a step forward, a leap forward, and has looked great. Jane McDaniels, the better McDaniels, uh, sorry to the other one in Toronto. He's been great, and I know he got ejected that game, but he's been fantastic. And, you know, Cat and Gobert is working for now. Is it a long-term solution? No, I don't think so. I still think Cat is going to get traded by the end of this season. I don't know or that's a hot take or not. I think the deadline is going to be a name that's going to be moving because he still kind of seems like that one name that isn't fully clicking with that lineup like it could and if cat was to click with the lineup like they would be even better but they have been a nice surprise so i it's nice to see the timberwolves playing so well and they're just a fun likable team outside of that seven foot french man on the team zolfi did your mic survive are you back are you alive now yeah i I think i'm back i don't know what happened (laughs) you are back i don't know you were just that perplexed by draymond suspension that you just decided to leave the pod yeah what, what I was trying to say there was the whole five games the most for an encore thing is I, I like Adam Silver, but I feel like it's more of an indictment of him. The fact that he'll only get five games or something like that. He'll give 25 for Joggle and Pew Pew in front of the camera. So, like, there's a better question. And obviously, Miles Bridges we don't have to get into. But, again, just question marks on top of some of the decisions. Uh, but, yeah, the Timberwolves, I think, need to get yeah. way more love. They're 8-3. and three. They beat some of the best teams. In the, I'm pretty sure they beat both of the best teams in the league in Philly and Denver at some point. And they have just been world beaters this entire time. So good for them. Their defense is great. Their offense has Anthony Edwards. I think coming into the season, Jake, I was with you that Cat was probably going to get moved. But if they make the playoffs and they do it convincingly, I think it extends this whole period because the way they have the money like invested in these guys, they didn't have to pay Ant soon, obviously. You gave up what you gave up to get Gobert. They already have many options in terms of like moving on. And with Cat, how do you really equate his value? Is his value super, super high? No, but also he's a stretch for who can shoot just about as good as any other person at his size. Maybe he's the best at it, to be quite honest. And you know he has his shortcomings defensively, but this team is number one in the league in defense. So really, what has that done to hold them back? So if you can't get that equal value for him and you finally found this recipe to succeed for some reason this year, I would just say keep running it until it doesn't. Where is this in top three of going back to Draymond? Because I I just uh, thought of this. Where does this rank in top three of Draymond's like stupidest things he's done on the court or off the court when he's punching Jordan Poole in the face? Because I think it's got to be like at least number two. I think it's pretty high up. It's definitely top three. I'm trying to think of what else. Like I guess like kicking people in the nuts is one. Uh, punching Jordan one, Poole. He. Yeah, one of the- I watched I, a, a literal tape of his highlights and it was all of the stupid dirty stuff he's done on the court it was over two minutes long and he kicked steven adams not once but twice in the nuts yeah. 
Yeah, he's. Oh, Steven he's Adams has like. Steven Adams need to come to this guy after the careers are done because when he like retire and he wants to start a family and he can't, it's gonna be Draymond Green's fault. He's gonna sue him, man. What else has he done though? There's some, there's something else that's been oh, like, dude. Yeah. He cost himself and the Warriors a finals. He got suspended in Game Five of the finals. Well, that's number one. By, but was like, that because LeBron in the nuts? Okay, yeah, it was because kicking in the nuts, right? Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. What but is this issue with kicking people in the nuts? He like Don't backhanded him weirdly nuts because LeBron like walked over him after they got like into a scuffle, I guess, and uh, Draymond fell over. LeBron walked over him, and as Draymond got up, he was upset about it, so he like flicked LeBron underneath his legs and he hit him in the nuts. So he got suspended for that. Idiot, bro! Idiot! It's so funny, man. I think one of my favorite ones is him running across the court and just full on spearing the guy <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> yeah, that is wild. I don't remember who it was, but it's you, he just gets tackled to the ground. You turn around and you just see him full on sprinting. I've never seen Draymond run as fast in my life, and then just football tackles him to the ground. It's just a thud. It's Fantastic. literally end to end too. It's so funny. So funny, Zolfi. Let's get into yours. Winners and losers for week three. Uh, my winners are the Miami Heat. They have won their last six games. They started the season losing four of their first five games. They look like they're at the bottom. They look tired. They look old. You thought Kyle Lowry was finally done, but Kyle Lowry does what he does, and he showed he still has some juice left in that game. He's been able to stick with these guys. Jimmy Butler looks healthy. And, Dan, I hate to bag on this point even more, but without Tyler Hero, they have not missed a beat. They've won their last three games. Just goes without saying, with him, without him, this team is good. That's just me saying that his stats don't really matter much. Uh, That's just uh, who the Miami are. They find a way to win. They're third in the East right now. They've been looking healthy, which is not my most important thing. And you know Jimmy and you guys aren't going to go too crazy in the regular season, but the fact that they're racking up these wins against a relatively easy schedule. They play teams like Charlotte, the Wizards, and Spurs, but they also got some good wins in there as well against some relatively competitive teams. So I'm happy about the Heat, and I think they deserve to get some love here that they were able to turn around. Because uh, a 1-4 start, it, uh, didn't, a one in, uh, yeah, a 1-4 start didn't look pretty good. People were starting to get really concerned there. Yeah. I mean, it's Heat culture for you, man. Um they're gonna find ways to win even without their best player and Tyler Hero, right? So, uh, all right. <laughs> hold on, hold on. No, I'm just bantering. Obviously, I know he's not like like this like superstar. I just I still think he contributes. That's that's all I was getting at with the last episode. Is Tyler Hero is not like this terrible player. That's the only thing I was getting at. Is I get he's not uh, like a superstar. I wasn't talking about like he was. But I just I think he shouldn't be so disrespectful because people talk about him like he is legit like a, de- a detriment to Miami Heat. I don't think he is. They are excelling without him. I will, re- will respect that because hashtag Heat culture, and I do believe in Heat culture very much. Um, but that, I don't know. I just want I have to address it because I, I like Hero, but not that much. I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna die for this guy to defend him. I don't care about Hero that much. I really don't. <laughs> he got a song made after him though. Oh, then he must be. You know what? So did Mo Bamba. They they must be the best players in the world. Exactly, uh, Zolfi. Before we get to your loser, I think I just have to transition that into my loser of the week. Yeah, because it's going to go hand in hand with your loser as well. But yeah, all right. So this has been. I'm actually genuinely like a little spooked and a little concerned for what I've been saying and putting out into the universe because 
for those that don't know, Zolfi and I have also done a football show at the start of the season, and we were talking about players, and every single week, a player would get put out for the season over and over and over again, and we had to report on it the very first thing, and we're like, hopefully no more injuries, and it did not stop every single time that we did it. You know the three players that I've mentioned on this podcast within the past week? Cam Thomas, Tyler Hero, and Kelly Oubre Jr. The day the podcast went out, not even less than an hour, Cam Thomas and Tyler Hero both go down relatively within like 10 minutes of each other with an ankle injury, thankfully, only out for about two weeks. They said that they we don't know the full extent, but two weeks is around the guideline. And Kelly Oubre Jr., not even trying to make a joke out of this, like horrific accident and hit with a car. And luckily, no damages aside from but broken ribs. He might be back in two weeks. Thankfully, that could have been so much worse. Just really happy to hear. So my loser is myself because I feel like I put that energy out in the world somehow. I don't know how. I don't know what happened to curse me, but I'm sorry to all three of those individuals. I take partial blame for all of that. Yeah, that whole Kelly Oubre situation is also really weird. The reporting around it has been really odd. And TMZ's out here getting his ring doorbell ring? camera footage. Dude, it's so weird. How did they get that? That's insane. That is such an invasion of privacy. Like, that is not... As well, that is TMZ, here, though. TMZ has just always made a reputation of having massive invasion of privacies. Yeah, and that is not journalism. I'd like everyone to listen that that is not good journalism, and we do not respect that in this household because that is weird stuff. But I hope he gets better soon because absolutely, you know, hitting, getting hit by a car probably sucks. I'd imagine. So, all the best to him. Scary, man. Like, literally just scary seeing that. Seeing my opening my phone saying Kelly Oubre has been hit by a car is, like, the craziest thing I've ever thought. And also, the way Woj reported it, he made it seem like it was, like, he framed that really strange. Because it was, like, he put in a tweet after that. He's like, oh, he's okay. He's in the hospital. He's recovered. He's fully conscious. Like, please put that first. Don't put that, like, <laughs> after. And he tweeted it, like, five minutes later. Maybe don't do that, Woj. Save yeah, all of us from like worrying like that. Like that's pretty pretty effed up. Just the reporting around it, just really weird. Just it's a weird situation, and I hope he gets better soon because it is really weird. And I, uh, it's I just like the yeah, it, it's weird and it's awful timing because he was having like a literally a perfect start to the season. And I know you really good. I know I, you're I not a fan it. of him. Yeah, you're not a fan, but like he's been very good and he is a steal for Philly. He was doing really good. I have to admit, he was he was cooking, and I will happily admit that he was doing really well. And I hope he comes back doing just as good. Yeah. So if there's anyone out there that knows how to get like a curse taken off of me. If you want to just hit me up in my DMs and, like, let me know, like, I might have to get an exorcist. And Zolfa, you're also part of this, too. It's not just me. <laughs> I On the NFL side, I'll gladly join into that. I don't know if an NBA person I've mentioned, per se, has, has had it happen to them yet. But I won't let you take all the heat by yourself. Technically, I am part of this. So maybe we just need to consult uh, a voodoo expert or something and see if we can get this washed off us. Because it's starting to get kind of bad. So I'm a pretty bad jinx. Uh, all my friends get mad at me whenever I talk about sports. Um, so I've stopped doing predictions uh, 
in favor of my favorite teams because usually when I do, they lose. Um, so I have some experience. If you guys want some advice, you know, it ha- it's not about injuries. It's usually just like my teams lose because of me. And I know it's my fault. It's always my fault because of my predictions. Um, so, you know, if you guys want to talk after the pod, like just hit me up. So we're just a trio of unlucky people. Well, I, I have I've sub- subdued, subsided. I don't know what the word is. I've stopped my bad jinxing from happening. So, you know, if, again, if you guys want advice, just hit me up. I mean, you did say the that pod. the Raptors were going to get blown out by the Wizards. And that almost yeah, happened. Did. See, and then it didn't happen. And then it didn't happen. I'm not even joking. It actually happens all the time. Just always go. If if we're going to do betting or something randomly, go against what I say. Never listen to my, my advice on that. Right, I will Dan, be wrong. I might be hitting your phone up after this. Zulfi, yeah. who is your loser for week three? Look, Jake, I don't want to beg on you more, but you know I I'm already down, to. Zulfi. Please. I'm sorry, but... Uh, okay, you know what? I'll give you a break for a second. I'll get, I'll get back to my, my real loser in a second, but very, very quickly, the Clippers have to be a loser as well. The James Harden trade looks terrible right now, especially True. after the whole I'm uh, not part of the system, I am the system. Looks bad. They haven't won a game with him. Uh, I think they're going to have to send one of them to the bench. It's probably going to be Russ. How is he going to take that? Who knows? But Philly ends up being a weird winner out of this because, one, I, we said it coming in, Tyrese Maxey looked awesome, but they got the added depth that they need for this very, very unfortunate Kelly Oubre situation, but they got Roko and Nicholas Batum. They slot in for Kelly Oubre, so they somehow got even better out of it. But, yeah, Clippers, big loser. But back to my real loser. I'm sorry, Jake, you are my real loser because you doubted the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers are 7-4. and four. They've won four out of their last game. The number one offense in the league. Granted, they're the 27th defense in the league, so they're kind of bad on that part. But they're winning games. Winning games at a great rate at 7-4. and four, And they just look so comfortable in what they have going and what they're growing. Ty- Tyrese Halliburton, shout out Spencer, kept saying how this guy has been so well. He's barely committing turnovers. Like I think he won like 30-plus turnovers without uh, – I mean, sorry, 30-plus assists without a turnover. And this guy just keeps that up. He's a prototypical playmaker. Dan has been shouting out how he thinks Tyrese Halliburton deserves more love. And I think it's just one of those things where he is really growing into that next phase of his like player development. And uh, it's getting people going back to this bonus trade and being like, hey, the, the Pacers may have just been an outright winner in that trade. I still think it was a win-win on both sides. And I still think both teams got what they needed. But I do see the point where, like, the Pace, uh, the Kings gave up a guy who was on this trajectory to be one of, like, maybe the top 10 players in the league for a Sabonis, uh, De'Aaron Fox duo that, hey, you don't know where that's going to end up taking them, but it has brought them improvement in the short term. So I kind of see it because the trajectory of Tyrese Halliburton is going to be one of the best point guards in the league, and he's already kind of there. So him and this Pacers team, I kind of lumped – I wanted them to be a winner, but I kind of lumped it into you being a loser, Jake, just because of the bet we made. I'm feeling really good about it. I think I'm feeling really good about it. You always just got to find a time to beg on me, don't you, Zelfie? Of course. But friends do. I'm so happy with how well the Pacers are doing and with how well uh, Halliburton's doing. He's just – he's always been so fun to watch. Just such an amazing, amazing playmaker. Never shot below 40% from three. And just really good attitude as well. I really like his attitude. Uh, he's a good uh, media player as well. Really good interview. Um, but I agree with you completely that uh, – I still think it's a win-win because I think the context around Sacramento is really important is they wanted to win now. And I think it, they wanted to set a culture and Halliburton wasn't there yet. He was still a developing player. 
uh, Sabonis was with Fox, and the two of them have created a really good duo. And now they made the playoffs. They're the Beam team. Everyone, they're America's team. Well, maybe actually the Wolves are this year, but last year they were like America's team kind of thing. And like it seems like they are now creating this culture of winning. And I think that's really important to look at when you're talking about the Sabonis Halliburton trade because like okay, Halliburton might end up being a way better player in the future, but Sabonis is still an All Star and he still brought. Uh, I just, I just, I just blanked, bro. That's I okay. completely blanked. That's what is okay. what? What are they called again, bro? How am I blanking like this? What are they called? Their duo name? The Kings, the Kings, bro. Oh. I can't believe I just blanked on their name. <laughs> that's the what you were blanking on. I had no idea yeah. what you were blanking on. That's insane. Anyways, the Sacramento Kings. Oh my god! Like, <laughs> I know that's crazy. It's crazy that I blanked on their name. I was literally like about to say it. I was like, uh. Anyways, um. Like they literally like <laughs> did not make the playoffs since like what year? Like two thousand five or something. Years, I think. Yeah. yeah, like it was bad. So when when you think of like trades like that, you have to think of that context that like ownership, general managers, whatever, every person running that place, they wanted to win and they wanted to show the fans, they wanted to show the team that you can be a winning team. I think that's really important to look at when thinking of that trade. So I think it's a win win both sides, hundred percent. Yeah. Look. All right. It's early in the season. Do they look fun? Yes. Do they look very, very? Are you trying to shit on the Pacers? Are you, are you trying to avoid the word "good"? You just oh want to say my they look gosh, Jake! So you can have some faith in your bet. Just say it. they look good. They look good. They look good. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Thank you, buddy. Halliburton is a dog. I, it, it honestly, the the trade was win win. You can't have De'Aaron Fox and Halliburton on the same team. They're both so ball dominant. It would never have worked. This let both players grow to the level that they are now. And Halliburton has obviously just exploded as one of the best point guards in the league. And he's fun to watch. He's literally like a one of one, too. There's not really a different player that kind of looks like him. Him he, he and Shea, like, I put the two of them very similar as players because they're so silky and so smooth. And they both, like, work so different from any other position in the league and any other player in the league. So he's a lot of fun to watch. That being said, I still, I, I, the bet is 37 wins. It's possible. You never know. They easily could go on a bad stretch. So I, I'm going to reserve judgment still. I, I think they look good. Do I think that the bet could easily still come into play? Yes, I do. Okay. Bro, they already have seven wins and there's like yeah. 60 plus to play. They're going to get 37 wins. So? And You're, you don't think they're going to win at the very least 50% of the next 60? Ish, it, it's probably more than 60. What is it? Probably like 68 or well, something like that? Well, they played 11 games, so it would be like, seven, like just under 70. Dude, you don't think they're going to win at least like 45% of the 70? For the sake of my ego, no. Oh my gosh. You should clip <laughs> this. Clip no, it, don't, don't clip any of this. Don't. This is going to be stuck with me forever. Zolfi's not going to let it go. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with my winner on the week. The other team that's... We go from Clippers and rockets from the clippers being zero and six in the harden era well since they acquired him they're zero and five when he's played their defensive first of all the way that their offensive has just like gone down completely like they are averaging almost 12 points less per game with harden on like way less shooting field goal like terrible but i'm gonna go with the other ones the houston rockets that's that's my win six wins in the last six games they have looked insane and it's kind of bizarre because after they started 0-3, everyone's like, oh, here we go. Like, they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league again. And no, that's not what they did. Ume Doka has those boys grinding day in, 
day out. They have bought That's into That's a really roles. poor choice of words, I'm sorry, <laughs> given his context. That, I just had to point that out. <laughs> <laughs> Not everyone has a dirty mind like you, Zolfi, okay? Uh, clearly it was stuck in the back of your head somewhere for that to be the word choice you had. <laughs> Anyways, I was about to give Alprince Shangun some love. Do you want to not hear that? Do you want to okay, not hear my back, love for Alprince Shangun? We, we, I think since like episode two or three have talked about Shangun and how we thought that Zolfi specifically thought that he was going to come out and be that next big piece for the Houston Rockets. And yeah, he absolutely has. That pick and roll with Fred Van Vliet is looking delicious game in and game out and shout out Fred Van Vliet. He's still not shooting great, but he has picked up a step defensively because not a lot of it is relied on him and he can fall back a little bit more. And he's looked very good in his role. And Dylan Brooks, he's shooting 55% on the year and he's looking like FIBA Dylan Brooks. We were worried when he got a technical in preseason that, oh God, here we go. It's going to be Dylan Brooks all over again. No, he's carried over his leadership and he's helping out these younger guys in a system that clearly is working. And it's not just like the Rockets are beating whatever teams. Like, they're out there. They beat the Nuggets. Like, th- th- this is nothing to just like, oh, okay, it's just a lucky stretch. No. The Nuggets, the Kings twice, the Lakers, Pelicans, and then the Hornets. But, like, that's a pretty impressive stretch of foes that are all in your conference that they're going out and beating and, like, doing it confidently. And I, I, I'm a fan of it. I think it's a really good fit for Fred. I, I'm happy that Fred is thriving in a different system. And yeah, everyone wants to have the same conversation. Oh, Dennis Schroeder versus Fred Van Vliet. I'm just happy that he's out playing well and they look good. So that's my pick as my winner. I'm glad you picked them because if you didn't, I was going to. Like they're just so clear cut a winner right now. They yeah. are top 10, I'm pretty sure, in offense and defense, which is great to see. For all the jokes out of Ime Odoka, like there's a reason why raptors the, the organization and the fan base were kind of like are we willing to look past what he's done because he's just such a good coach he was so good with boston you know what he did there and he's clearly doing it with this squad in uh, the houston rockets he's getting those young guys to compete and he's putting up a respectable like uh why are you smiling that got me so tripped out just a little smirk did i say something wrong what no then, i think dan no, was just what did what did he make do in boston Oh, do you not know? (laughs) No, I'm kidding, bro. I'm joking. Oh, my God. Sorry. You said this weird smirk. I thought I said grinding or something. No, Uh, just continue. Just ignore me. Like you said, Zolfi, they are 10th, tied for 10th in offensive efficiency, and they are 4th defensively. Yeah. The trio of Shengu, and and, uh, Brooks is, like, plus minus net rating-wise, all that stuff. They're one of the best trios in the league. Like, they are playing so well together. The fit is perfect. Shangun has taken that leap, and I knew coming in it was going to be him or Jabari Smith Jr. One of them was going to. I was always on the Shangun side, but we saw Jabari looking good in summer league, so we thought maybe it could be him. But Shangun has fit in so well, like you said, Jake, in that pick and roll uh, and that operation between them. Van Vliet and Brooks are shooting uh, great. Well, Van Vliet is up and down like he always is, but he's still such a productive player in terms of operating an offense. And then Dylan Brooks has been shooting fantastic. So I think it's just been such a recipe coming into the season. The Rockets and um, the Wizards had two super, super low over-under numbers. And my thought with them was like both these teams have way too many NBA caliber guys who are too talented to be that low. It's just, are you going to have respect for yourself as a team? The Rockets have shown that. They've been having respect for themselves. They said, we're not just going to tank because we've been a tanking team to get picks 
and guys to help us in the future. We want to win now or at least be competitive now. Wizards have been a completely different story. They don't respect themselves right now. That's what it comes down to for them. But you see it with the Rockets. You know coming in, you have these names. Jeff Green has also been an insane addition for them. Yes. He's been so good for these young guys as a vet. So you have all these guys in the NBA who have been through it, who have had some success, basically being like, we're not going to come here and just let these young guys do what they want. We're here to be serious. We're here to be professionals. And it's worked out for them. Can I just say the league in general so far for this first month has been really good? Like, I feel like it's usually pretty sleepy to start off the NBA seasons. Everyone's like, oh, here's the winners. Here's the losers. It's been fairly competitive through and through. Yeah, you still have your bottom feeders in the Memphis Grizzlies. Who could have said that a year ago? And the Detroit Pistons and Wizards. But aside from that, like, it's been fairly competitive. And it's been really fun to watch. And I think the in-season tournament has a lot of plus to add to that. But I think it's just because these teams are just have more respect for themselves and they're going out and they're pulling upsets and they're playing well. And it's fun to watch. I think the product is more fun than ever to watch at the moment. Completely agree, man. Basketball, there's just so much talent in the league now that just like every team has something to offer, uh, which is probably why they want to expand soon. And and shout out to uh, apparently Canadian team might eventually come. Uh, But yeah, it's been a really good product. And I think, basketball is just at it gets better every year because the game just evolves into like something more every year because there's it's just so advanced now like if you just look at a video from like 1960 they're moving at like turtle speed and then you got like just extreme athletes now like sports medicine has taken another level like it's just like and it's it's not like just like this basketball it's like every single sport i'm convinced that in like 50 years is going to be like cyborgs playing it because like these are just insane physical specimens that are so talented at what they do. And it just creates this insanely, insanely good product. So yeah, I've been having, it's a very way off topic, but like I'm having a lot of fun watching this, uh, this season for sure. I think it was a, a fun point was how the NBA is just in such a different spot and they've evolved so far. And you're seeing that out there on the floor. Teams are running different sets. Teams are getting more creative. It's much more advanced. And I think it was John Sally, who a uh, former basketball player from a while ago, he played on the Pistons. He was actually on the Raptors, I'm pretty sure, inaugural team uh, when they first formed. And he said it. He's like, all these old heads say that, oh, uh, these guys couldn't play in the past. Like LeBron, uh, he's obviously LeBron probably could, but LeBron and these other guys, they couldn't kick it in our era. But John Sally was like, I don't know if we could have kicked it in this era because just the game has changed so much. Because mm-hmm. now they're running so many advanced things. You need big guys who can't just post up or rebound or set screens. You need big guys who can also stretch the floor. You're seeing that with the Raptors. They can really use a big guy that can stretch the floor. Who are more mobile, who can't get caught on an island of pick and roll and stuff like that. And you're seeing that now where every team has at least some promising pieces that you think, if you squint at least, you know that you can get something out of it. And it's just showing the games evolve to a different degree. The parity is there, other than maybe the Denver Nuggets and probably the Boston Celtics. Like, every other team is pretty damn neck and neck. Like, you think you could kind of see things going up and down uh, a million different ways. So, it's fun, man. I think there's a lot to look forward to. Well, we got two in-season tournaments, cut games coming up for the Raptors to look forward to really quickly before we end the podcast here. Like we did last episode, I'm going to make us all make predictions, Dan. I know you said you're a curse with this stuff, but I'm making you do it again. They play the Celtics on Friday in the first in-season tournament game. Then on Sunday, they play the Pistons at 4 o'clock at home. And on Tuesday, their second in-season tournament matchup against the Magic. I'm going to say they're going 2-1 and one on this stretch. Not 3-0 and oh this time. I'm going to say 2-1. and one. I think they do not win against the Celtics in their first game. I think they beat the Pistons because since Dwayne Casey has left the organization as a coach, 
they have like seemed to lift that curse. So I, I have more of a hope that they can match up more better with that. Hopefully OG is back by that matchup. He is out against the Celtics. So hopefully he is back for Pistons at least. And then Magic, I just think that that's a pretty good matchup for them in general. And they normally play well, except for that one back-to-back stretch against Magic last year. So I think that they're going to go 2-1. Dan, how about you? Oh, uh, yeah. I also think they're going to go 2-1. I think the Celtics are just going to give them a beating. You know, it's going to be very hard to watch, but we're going to watch it because it's our job. Um, but versus the Piston and Pistons and the Magic, yeah, I think we're going to beat them, uh, especially if OG comes back. Um, if he's not back, I actually don't know because the defense just seems to fall off so much without him, uh, which is a whole other conversation. But if he's there, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident that uh, Raptors will beat pistons and the magic so two two and one zolfi yeah like i'll get to the magic game in a second i think the celtics like what you guys said they're just going to be just too dominant we saw in the last game firepower just too great the celtics played their last game without Kristaps and jalen brown and it, it was against the sixers and they still won pretty handily and the craziest thing I took from that was their starting lineup still had Derek White, Drew Holiday, and Jason Tatum. If that was your three guys in your starting lineup, even without the other two, you'd be like, hey, we have a damn good starting lineup. We could probably compete with most teams. And then you add uh, Jalen Brown and Christoph Porzingis, that, that Celtic team is just unfair. And so I think the Raptors, if those guys play or don't, are probably going to get waxed. Uh, I'm with you. No Dwayne Casey. Raptors have a chance. They should win that game. I think the Pistons, just what they have to offer offensively, ironically, won't be enough to go against the Raptors' defense, especially if the guys are healthy and OG's there. Uh, I'm excited to see Ulster Thompson play. He's looked like a freak. I'm calling him Dennis Rodman yes. 2.0. I'm stamping that now. I think he's the next Rodman. He looks so good. Uh, but Raptors should get the job done. If Again, if they can at least be somewhat of a team that we think they can be, they can get it done. The match game I'm interested about, because uh, Franz and Paolo are just so mobile, their point guards move around so much. You have Jalen Suggs, who's gotten so much better defensively this year. He can shoot. He can space the floor. He's scrappy. Markel Fools. He's like, I feel like a younger, more athletic version of Dennis Schroeder in some ways, where he's just like a slasher and moves really quick. Maybe not the best shooter, but neither. Schroeder. So he just kind of gives me that kind of vibe to him. So I think these teams are going to be matched up so well. And honestly, if these games could end in a tie, I'd probably say they're going to end in a tie against the Magic. But they can't. So this one's a pick em for me. I'll take the Raptors just because I've been on this like pick against the Raptors train lately. So just for like optimism's sake to get the good vibes rolling for the Toronto. Look at you. I'll, yeah, I'll say they figured out. I think Scotty should be in for a really good game that day. Uh, one of Scotty or Pascal. One of our forwards should have a good game. And obviously if OG's there, you definitely one of them is going to have a great game. If OG's not there, I'll think it's somewhat similar to uh, the last game we saw. So... I, I'll go Raptors, but I'm really not confident in them against the Magic. I think that's a 50-50, so I'll, I'll end up on 2-1. I definitely think the funnest game to watch will be against the Magic. I think it's going to be head-to-head there, and, or toe-to-toe, and it's going to go right to the end on that one. So Yeah. I think so, too. We can only wait and see. Let's wrap up the podcast here, boys. If you guys enjoyed this, make sure to go follow Sean, first of all, on all of his stuff. Again, amazing content. So thankful to have him on this podcast. But also follow ours as well. You can find us on Apple and Spotify at the Dream Team Podcast. Five stars. Give us all the loving on there because we love you guys. And we want to get some love back. 
Uh, follow us on our social medias at dream underscore team pod on Twitter. Spencer and I have been putting out some graphics recently, so go show some of those some love to you. I think they're pretty pretty good, so I, I'm happy that we kind of have a platform to put them out on. And you can find us on Instagram at dream underscore team underscore pod as well. And you can find me at jake underscore result six on Twitter. Dan, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Raptors Vision. Um, yeah. Got Sounds the vision good. of a rock. I'll be there. Zolfi. Uh, you guys can find me at Zolfi underscore Shake. That's I do. L F I underscore S H D I K H on Twitter, on Instagram. And this is just a random shout out. You're probably never going to hear this. Miles Burns, he plays for the Raptors 905. He was a rookie they drafted. He was awesome in their last game. They only had eight players for 21 points. He retweeted my article on the post game recap. That's nice. Because I featured him on it. So what a nice guy. Cool. Thanks, Miles. That's very cool. Hey, boys, let's have a good in-season tournament, shall we? Heck yeah. Let's do it. Thanks for listening, guys. Catch you in the next one. Peace.